Hello, I'm Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm once again joined by Laurie, the co-host of the show. Hello. And we mentioned last week that we were going to discuss standing at football. So we have a Tory activist and also a Hearts fan joining us this evening. Uh, hello, Ian. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hi, no problem. I thought it'd be good to get you on. Uh, I know that you're you're keen to, to get standing at football reintroduced. So I'd like to hear your, your view on that later on in the podcast. So I thought we'd start off the, the show with a look at yesterday's Scotland game, where we comprehensively humped Liechtenstein 1-0. I wonder, did either of you watch it? I um, I was watching it and I drifted off at the start of the second half and I woke to uh, the final 10 minutes of Scotland held on for a memorable victory. Well, I wouldn't say they really held on. I thought they, they seemed to be worthy winners from what I saw in the first half anyway. We should have been a couple of goals ahead from what I saw and... Um, it could have been worse, I kind of predicted, although I didn't predict on here, but I did say before the game I thought it would probably end up being a narrow victory, but I think we started decently enough, we were getting forward, still unconvinced uh, with Levine and the way we were playing, I, I said on the forum, I thought Fletcher was kind of waste of a waste of a player, almost having him one of our best players sitting behind the midfield in a game against Liechtenstein, it seemed to just totally take him out of the game. Um, but, you know, we won, we did what we need to, so the the slight uh, blinded optimism continues for at least another two, three days. <laughs> and I saw most of the game I saw, uh, I missed the last 10 minutes. I'm not convinced I missed anything much by missing the last 10 minutes, but uh, yeah, expectations were met, happy to keep a clean sheet. Any, any team with a Caldwell at centre-half, keeping a clean sheet has to be something to... Uh, be reasonably happy about. So yeah, ha- happy with the game. Performance was fairly dull, but that's what you get with Craig Levine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we can dream for another few days that we can famously beat Spain. I think we were all afraid of beat Liechtenstein beating us and then us beating Spain. Uh, but that's out the window now. So it looks like, yeah, probably betting on Spain, I have to say. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Caldwell at the back there, but I thought that Berra stuck out like a sore thumb. I thought he was he was woeful. There's so many times he was just just out of position, poor decision making. Uh, I thought he was he was really poor. Other than that in defence I thought Hutton looked really good going down the right. Although I wish he would stop doing a stupid back heel. He done it I think he he made it past his last man and the guy slid behind him and for some reason Hutton decided to back heel it into the tackle and Hutton did it another two or three times afterwards. I just cut out the fancy stuff and just keep it simple for me. Uh, is it Bardsley at left back? The amount of times I've seen him go down the wing and i even seen him in, the, in a centre forward role at one point. I'm not really sure if he's, al- if he's allowed that much rain if Levine's saying he's just do what you want, but it's not often you see a left-back doing that. Not for Scotland either. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Although it is Liechtenstein, we should be maybe a bit more uh, freedom to, to attack. But Caldwell, I thought, I thought he was OK. I know there's a lot of people who aren't, aren't big fans of him, but I thought he was OK. Yeah, he was OK, but you've got to take the fact that we were playing a, a country with, what, 30... 35. Someone was mentioned a country the size of Inverness about on the, on the forum. So it's it's just it was it was we did our job, but I still think Levine tries the the one up front too much. Um, I know four five one can be attacking. You know Barcelona play it as people keep mentioning, but we don't have the same players as Barcelona, and I think we'd just be better with two strikers, especially against a team like that. As I say. Take away not necessarily Fletcher as a player. I like Fletcher, but take away that position he was in and put that up front. Would we have lost anything not having Fletcher sitting in front of the defence? Did we need anyone there? I don't think we did. 
I, maybe with the midfield that we went out with, I think maybe we do need somebody to, to protect the defence because although Adam, he can play there, he has played there for Liverpool, he doesn't really do it as as a, a defensive-minded player. He's more as a, a playmaker sitting back there where I, I do think we need somebody to protect defence, uh, Berra and Caldwell. Against Lichens, well, and we, they did have a couple. we shouldn't be protecting the defence against Liechtenstein. <laughs> you know what? Get a couple of strikers on there. Let's not be so negative. And let's go and give them a good old-fashioned hammering. Exactly. I mean, I know we're Scotland. And people always go, oh, you, you're expecting too much of our players. And yeah, that's fine when we play Spain. Of course, we're going to play We're going to play defensive. We're going to kind of try and hold on and hit them on a break. But the same, you know, when we're playing Lithuania and Liechtenstein, we have much better players. You've got... Players who play for Liverpool, Manchester United, lots of other Premier League teams. Players who play for Rangers and Celtic. It's players who have a decent calibre when we're playing teams like Liechtenstein. I mean, we should go. We have the confidence to go out there, play a couple up front. And incidents like um, Adam when he drilled the the ball into the box and the keeper managed to palm it away. Well, you only have one striker, and if you had another striker, he could have made the run to the near post and flicked it in. It's, if there's no point in having your fullbacks bombing forward and getting the ball in the box if there isn't anyone in there apart from Craig McHale-Smith who did get his goal but let's be honest it was more to do with terrible defending and goalkeeping than it was an amazing goal I thought we were talking there about Phil Bardsley playing at left back but ending up up front because actually we were so far on top now Phil's a pretty average full back he's alright I think we've, he's better than Craney and Kirk Broadfoot so yeah sure get him in but he shouldn't be up front, you know, when we're so on top, we get another striker in the box and we get some goals, because Bardsley's not really the goal threat we're looking for. No, exactly. We were a bit short up front eh, with options we had. I suppose we had Goodwillie, which I think he could have done a job, but other than that, just Levine seems to be set in his ways with this one up front that he doesn't even really give himself an option, because if he'd started with Goodwillie, then who else did we have? Ross McCormack, but someone didn't call him up. <laughs> There's tons of Scottish strikers around who are good enough to score a goal into Liechtenstein, and it's whether Levine calls them up or not. He doesn't call them up because he's not going to play them because he's going to stick to one up front. To me, that's frustrating. Yeah, he seems so defiant about it as well. He's constantly like backing up his, his one up top, saying that that's, that's how it's done in international football. He doesn't seem to be open to, to new ideas. Yeah, I mean, it works It works in certain games and it works in an attacking sense if you have the right players. And as I've just said there, I think too many people keep referring to Barcelona and their setup, and that's all well and good when you've got Messi and you've got Villa and Pedro and Xavi and Iniesta, but we don't. You have to play at your kind of strengths. And I think when you're playing a team who are of the standard of Liechtenstein, we should play two up front and we should try and go out there and score a couple of goals because the problem is... It was 1-0 and we were well deserved of the win. Um, by 1-0, anyone can, it doesn't matter how bad the team is and how, you know, one moment, one lapse of con- concentration, one deflected shot, one complete freak goal. It, anyone can score one goal, I always believe that. You know, a one-goal lead is always kind of dodgy. And hey, Lichtenstein had a great shot. I mean, McGregor, uh, Scotland's number two, had to make a great save <laughs> uh, yeah. the first half there. Yeah. I think that Scotland's number two. For for once, uh, the Hearts fans outnumber the the other fans on the podcast. So maybe we had yeah. two Craig Gordon fans in here for a change. <laughs> I was very complimentary though, Craig Gordon in the studio to McGregor. So definitely no bitterness. I, he's not. He's not going to be like that in the studio though. Is I, I know he won't be. It's good though. I mean, at least we've got one position where we've got a decent backup. But we will always have two good keepers. Well, for years to come. For now, anyway. Yeah. I think we've got other positions that are fairly strong, like uh, Bannon. I was very impressed with Bannon. Uh, and, well, Adam, Fletcher, even Forrest, when he came on, he, he didn't he didn't get a chance to really do much. But from his time this season at Celtic, I think he's going to have a great future with Scotland. And, well, Neesmith as well. Forgot to mention him. He's... Although he wasn't down as a, a striker, I thought he was uh, the one that was most likely to score... And, well, I had a cheeky fiver on him, but I wasn't too fussed when Mikael Smith headed that in. I put, I put Lichtenstein down at 10-1. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just so I couldn't lose, you know, Scotland win, then it's all good we win. And if we got beat, 
then at least I get some money. So the only way I could have lost would have been a draw, really. <laughs> I've got some reaction on the forum, just quickly go through some. Gus Meister basically just said, well done Scotland. Could have been better, but three points is what it was all about. Um, Doug Lasta saying, poor game of footy in the second half, but three points, and now in second place by one point. Comes down to the last game against the Spaniards, and the Czechs game in Lithuania, so still not easy. Um, Danny1888 said, tonight's win happened because Craig McHale-Smith was able to take advantage of awful defending and goalkeeping. Nothing much more than that. It's sad that in two games against a country the size of Inverness, we've needed a 97th minute winner and one piece of poor play by Liechtenstein to beat them home and away. We really should be expected to win by two or three against them, but sadly, we have downgraded far too much. Bonnie Rob, three points. That's what was needed. On to Alicante now, and who knows, settle for the same again. And nothing wrong in hoping that Lithuania do us a favour. Shame about dodgy penalty decisions. And um, Hultoon Clock, the Dundee fan, says, so Scotland beat a team of journeymen 1-0. No wonder it needs a miracle for them to progress. So a bit of a mixed reaction there from people on the forum. So I thought we'd look at the, our predictions from last week. <laughs> you know how I like to go over the predictions. So you'd went for a, a 3-0 victory to Liechtenstein, <laughs> which thankfully shocking. didn't happen. <laughs> and uh, Greg, well, he, was, he went for a 0-0, <laughs> a boring 0-0. And then I went for a 1-0 Scotland which, stupidly, I didn't put any money on. I'm beginning to regret that, especially when I put a fiver on Naismith to score. What would it have been evens for Scotland to win 1-0 against a rubbish team? <laughs> eh, well, I don't know, but at least it would have been a profit. I suppose, I suppose. A winning bet's a winning bet, and it's always a good one. Indeed. Yep, that's it. Okay, so um, following on from Scotland, we were going to move on to standing at football. And the possibility of this returning, uh, obviously in particular, to SPL stadiums. It's a topic which has come up quite recently on the forum. Um, an actual vote was put out, well a poll was put out, taking members' votes. And that was started by Go and Jock. And it was quite a resounding yes in terms of would people like to see the return of standing areas in SPL stadiums. And 93% yes um, and just 7% no at the moment. So at the moment, it seems that certainly on the Scottish World Forums, most people are in favour of a return of standing areas of football. And Ian, I know that's something that you feel quite strongly about. So I'll maybe pass over you. You can maybe explain exactly what the sort of safe standing is and how that would work. Because I know the, the main issue for people is usually that the safety side of it. And obviously because of certain disasters, Hillsborough and the likes that have happened in the past. So Tell us about safe standing and, and how this would obviously yeah. affect the game. Thanks, Laurie. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that needs to be made very, very clear when people are talking about terraces returning to the football and us being able to stand at the football, you know, I think your poll is realistic enough in that there is a lot of support amongst the, the football community, the most important football community, which is the fans, those of us that are going along every week, paying our money, who are enjoying following our teams. We're not talking about returning to the terraces that we had 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that were pretty ramshackle, pretty run down, and absolutely proved themselves to be dangerous in a stadium that wasn't being wasn't being well run either by the by the club, by the police, whoever. We're talking about is a safe standing that is now seen right across right across Europe. We'll keep returning to Germany as the Germany as the best example. Now what the what they do. And uh, what they do in Germany is the safe standing is everybody has a place assigned to stand there, and there is a seat that flips down because for the European games, which I obviously aspire to see Hearts in Europe every year playing in the Champions League. <laughs> so when the Champions League games come around, and everybody has to be seated because that's a rule right across Europe uh, for the European League games, Europa League games, Champions League games. Everybody has a seat there, so everybody has their own space when they're standing, but they choose to stand during the league games where actually the individual countries have their say over whether they're going to let their top league stand or sit. So there is a space for you to have a seat, you have your own space, so it's not crushed. You know, there is a ticket, here it is, here is a space that's assigned to Laurie Dunsire, here's a space assigned to Craig Eady, here's a space assigned to Ian McGill. 
And that stops things like too many people being put in to too small a space. Uh, so it is. So it's a very safe. It's a very safe practice. But it's one that the fans are demanding. The fans aren't getting. You know, there's not enough credit for towards the football fans at the moment. And our voice isn't heard as well as it should be because because we're a little bit too passionate. So you know when the when the government of the day or the SFA, the Blazers of the day, or our clubs make decisions we don't agree with. We all say, hey, we don't agree with that, but we still roll up and buy a season ticket. We still roll up and go along every week because that's what being a fan is. It's going along through thick and thin saying, OK, I don't like this, but I'm going to keep going. Hey, but I do, I think our views are, our views are ignored far too often. And I do, I think this would be a, a nice thing to give back to the supporters. And now's a very pressing time to be doing it. Do you know the stories this week? It's all about Aberdeen moving to build a new stadium, you know, Tyne Castle, we're talking about, are we going to move from Tyne Castle? What are we going to do with that fourth stand? You know, as clubs across the country are looking at doing up their stadiums, I do, I think there should be that extra leeway that a club can decide, let's have a standing area here. And I think the clubs would decide that they wanted to do that because the fans are, you know, the appetite is there from the supporters. Yep, I mean, I've got a, a petition link, which is through the Football Supporters Federation, the FSF. Um, and that was brought up by Panda Monk, which is it's signed by, I don't know what the numbers are, but there's quite a few people have signed it and they're obviously petitioning for that. And they claim to uh, they represent more than 180,000 individual fans and affiliate members throughout. Um, I think that's actually England and Wales, actually, but that's just a kind of point, obviously, the UK in general. Um, so there are obviously people out there trying to, to make a difference. I mean, some things that were brought up, like on the forum, jo- Johnny Robb said... I'd bring back standing, but it can't be done where seating is in the same area, not fair on those who want to sit. I think he was kind of pointing it that he wouldn't um, like to stand the whole game. And uh, I know some people are maybe of that inclination. My dad says he, he likes to stand for some of it, but he does like the option to sit. But would that mean maybe cause a problem if some people wanted to sit and then couldn't see? Would it be a case of just having one area that's standing? Well, no, because that's because it's all well planned. Because you have stand you have standing areas in the ground where you buy your ticket for the standing area, and it is, and it's just as people make choices now. Which, you know, there is so there's choices. You can go to a standing area and buy a ticket for a standing section. You can buy a family ticket and go to the family section. You can get a ticket for the hospitality and go and sit with all the suits and ties. Do you know what it is? It's you pick what area suits you absolutely the best. So me, my friends and I, we would probably go along the standing section. But sometimes if we were going, my friend's parents were going, maybe we would go along and choose to go to the seating section. You know, Hearts went down to play Air United a couple of weeks ago. It was very painful to us Hearts fans to uh, go down there and get put out of the cup by Air United. But we all enjoyed being able to stand at the game. Were we absolutely safe? Yes, we were absolutely safe. Were we absolutely well behaved? Yes, we were absolutely well behaved. And was it a pleasure to stand up through the game? Yes, it was. But some Hearts fans chose to sit in the old stand, which is entirely reasonable. And if you know, that's all we're saying is let's have a choice. So some fans will want to sit, will want a seat, and that's fine. And some fans will want to stand, and that's fine. It'll always be a little bit more expensive to get a seat than it will be to stand. But again, that's going to bring people into the grounds because if we can get cheaper ticket prices, more people are going to come because the cost of tickets are another barrier to people coming along to support their teams. You mentioned the choice there. I was at the recent Scotland against Czech Republic game and I was sitting behind one of the goals. Well, I say sitting, but that's where my seat was. And for the entire 90 minutes, I stood and... I didn't mind it, to be honest. I didn't mind standing. I thought it was. I thought it, it made for a, a good atmosphere, but there was no choice. Uh, it was. I think it was officially the family section I was in. I'm not too sure exactly. I didn't buy the tickets myself, but if it was a family section, there would have been people there with their kids who who didn't who couldn't seat. They couldn't sit in their seat like they'd paid for because everyone was standing. So I think it, it works not only, a standing section not only works to give people who want to stand the chance to stand, but the people who want to sit the chance to sit. It's another good, re- you know, it's another good argument for having set sections where people can stand, because I do, I think, you know, I think it's a very reasonable choice for people to make is that actually, yes, they want to stand, 
you know for big games people especially want to stand uh, as you saw over in the Czech Republic there yeah I mean I was going to say as well in terms of Hearts games I went to the last game of last season at Tanadice uh, it was meaningless in the end but you know we were there for a little celebration the season was over we'd gone to Europe and we were all standing we were in the bottom tier and we were all standing and the stewards were coming over and then they end up getting the police over because we wouldn't sit down and and what I spoke to him. I was I was quite reasonable. I've not been sarcastic. I was being quite reasonable. I said, "Well, why are you asking us to sit down?" As I go, it's for health and safety. It's like, but in terms of what everyone's standing behind us, everyone's standing in front of this row. So why is there a problem? We're all standing. It's not. It's like you've just got to do it. But it's like, but you need to explain to me why. Give me just you know break it down to me why I've got to sit down. We're all standing up here. I'm not blocking anyone's view. The people behind me are standing. The people behind them are standing. And they had no reason. The guy just kind of went off in a huff and told the police on me. And they got them round. And eventually they just went away and left us standing because they had no viable reason to tell us to sit down. So, yeah, it, it can be frustrating. And it almost causes more problems that we've got a seat in. And they've got to go and tell people to sit down because it's a seated stadium and stuff. And it's a bit ridiculous. Whereas if you had a standing area, people go there, they can stand. So... I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see if it was brought back. I mean, some more views in the forum. Black Dog says, um, if supporters of whichever club are interested in their clubs are for it, I can't really see how it can be dismissed, as a large number of European clubs have these areas for domestic matches. I've seen parts of the Westfalen Stadium, and due to large attendances, the areas are bouncing, and it looks a, fantas- a fantastic atmosphere. I didn't vote as I no longer games, so it's irrespective, but that was his view on it. And... Um, Robert Kelly also said, as Black Dog has said, German clubs have standing areas and the atmosphere looks and sounds great. And we're a bit older now, we prefer a seat at the game, but I don't see why we can't have standing areas at grounds here. Anything that improves the atmosphere is to be welcomed. There's a, a mention from Sheeny Bob. He's saying, do we forget the reasons why all Seater Stadia came into play in the first place? Atmosphere and the like don't come into it. Personally, I don't see any tangible advantage of Terracing, shoehorning punters in to maximise club profits just takes us back to the age-old problems of safety. I think that, that a general opinion, I think people do think that we are going back in time, but as Ian mentioned, we are we are looking at the, the new safe standing where people are given a row number and a seat, a seat number, or should I say a, a standing allocation number. So I don't think safety really comes into it. I did a, a quick Google earlier and there was a police spokesman and this was talking about the the law in England and Wales which says that you're not allowed standing areas in the top two divisions and he was saying that the police reluctance is due to crowd control rather than safety fears nowadays. I, I see the point to degree um, but I'm not sure if there's going to be, if is there really much difference with if there's if you see the safe standing it's not they have like you know it is an allocated position so and because there's a seat there anyway they actually seem to have like the bars in front don't they they actually have like a bar in front so they it's, do yeah yeah they so, do so where you can stand so again that that takes out any opportunity of any surging so do you know these big surges and the sways that we saw in the terraces when we were younger with the safe terrace and that doesn't happen, the talk of being shoehorned in again, that doesn't happen because you have the same amount of space per person as you do with a seat. So do you know mm-hmm. some of those arguments some of those arguments are tired. And I am I'm frustrated and sick at police being concerned over crowd control all the time, policing, how are we going to control these football fans? How are we going to control these football fans? It goes across into other issues as well. You know, if we go to the rugby, we can sit and have a beer. If we go to the football, we can't. If we go to the cricket, we can sit and have a beer. If we go to the football, we can't. Again, you know, it's sitting going, these football fans, okay, no drink for these guys. These guys can't stand up. These guys, we've got to watch these guys. We've got to control these guys. We've got to go around film these guys. I mean, yeah, I just get frustrated a little bit with the with the picture that people portray of your average football fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of some of the, well, I presume it's on the safe standing bits, and to me, it's almost safer to stand with that than seated grounds can be, because, I mean, I've, I've been at Hearts games where I've ended up two or three rows in front before, because, you know, as it's a big game and people are drunk and jumping about, sometimes because with the seats, there isn't much, there's no back to them people do go flying over the top of each other and such and it does happen I mean it's not all the time you know because you know generally hearts are playing St Mirren or or Motherwell or 
someone and it's not as exciting as every game no disrespect intended but yeah it, it can happen but with these if, if people look up the pictures of them there's like there's like a kind of almost a, a bar all the way across so it is as ian says it, it probably a lot harder for there be, to be a surge or to be people potentially ended up on top of each other than it is in a seated ground because yeah you it's a big if it's a big atmosphere and people are jumping about and singing and celebrating goals then there's no way they can come and control everyone and tell them to sit down so whilst it's not going to be uh what we've seen in horrible times like obviously hillsborough there can be obviously injuries and such in seated ground so i don't see how these kind of standing areas would be any more dangerous looking at the picture obviously if it was going to be the kind of the safe standing i was just going to say that uh, in a, a lot of the stadiums, uh, there are people who are standing anyway. Like uh, you look at Celtic Park and uh, the the Green Brigade, they they enjoy, they like to enjoy their their games. They like to to uh, stand up, do their uh, dances side to side. But a a genuine standing area would make it safer for them because they don't have the the kind of shin height backs of the seats in front of them that's well that's going to cause you to fall over if there's any push behind you whereas these ones as Laurie mentioned if you look at the picture they do have the bars for you to lean against so for people like that who are standing already it's it's really ma- just making it safer for them that's right and no one's suggesting that they make new stadiums that are all standing they're not do you know the standing would be the minority of the new stadium it would still be more more seating than standing the standing option would be there. So, do you know, in an 80,000, you know, the West Fallon Stadium, there's plenty seating in that stadium. Do you know, there's maybe five, ten thousand of it is a standing area there. And that's where pe- some people choose to go. And do you know what? That choice is just as valid a choice as the folks who are choosing a seat. But that choice has to be there because, as Craig's saying, people do exercise that choice at different times. You know, Celtic's Green Brigade stand through the games and actually, it's one of the few things I agree with them on. I think fair play to them. They want to stand at a game. I agree that, fine, let them stand at the game. Yeah, Celtic are actually, they're doing a study into the feasibility of bringing back standing sections. I think there was a news report on STV from the 23rd of September, so just a couple of weeks back, saying that they've started kind of looking into that. And um, the board itself, the Celtic board, saying um, the board welcomes the, well, this was in reference to the Celtic Supporters Trust um, looking at this, the board welcomes the trust's interest in this issue and is pleased to confirm that a feasibility study is already underway under the direction of the chief executive. So that's something. And apparently, it says on the, also in the article that STV understands that eight of the 12 member clubs would have to vote in favour of a change of the, to the rules on the issue. But should Celtic study return positive conclusions, the matter may be put before the league itself. So it might be yeah. it might be something that comes up you know, sooner rather than later, which I'm sure will well, please Ian and uh, many other people who are kind of supportive yeah. of this. I do think there is a a move towards it. We know Hearts have been consulting with their supporters also on should we move to a new stadium. And one of the questions in the consultation was, would you be keen to see a standing section at the football uh, in a new stadium? If we move to a new stadium or redeveloped a stadium, would you like to see a standing section there? And we know the majority of respondents came back resoundingly saying, yes, we would like to see a standing section. So we know that clubs like Hearts are looking at that as well. We know that Celtic are looking at it. So, do you know, that starts to indicate the way that uh, the way that people are going. Yeah. One good thing is that in, it's not a law in Scotland. In England and Wales, they are bound by law that they're not allowed standing in the top two divisions. So in this country, we're really just trying to persuade the, the SPL really to allow it which, as you mentioned, Laurie, was it 8 out of 12 have to, to vote for it? Apparently, according to the, on that issue, it would be. I know for some things it's 11 to 1 if it was to change mm-hmm. the actual structure, but apparently, I'm just reading off this STV report, so if, if that's to be believed, then it would be 8 out of 12 would have to vote on a change for, for that issue, for, for a change to those rules. Um, I was going to add as well just a couple more, um, some feedback from the forum, which uh, there's a few who mentioned which i'm not going to go through because they were talking about getting kind of pushed and crushed and issues but i think that's kind of been addressed in what we've been talking about so uh-huh. yeah but people like uh, one man clapping 
also known as Greg, who's been on the, the podcast a couple of times, Motherwell fan, he says, it's all about choice for me. Some people don't fancy the idea of standing and that's cool. Others, though, hate being forced to sit for 90 minutes too. I have a season ticket and I deliberately choose seats in the back row of the stand so I didn't have to sit during the game. Many grounds have unofficial standing areas as it is. The furthest away section uh, of the East stand at Fir Park has a group of young guys who stand and, and sing for the duration of the game. Why not rip out the seats and stick some barriers back in? I hope common sense prevails here. If enough supporters get behind the idea of choice, then I have a feeling that clubs, authorities would have no option but to listen to their customers. Um, Jungle Joe says, give individuals the option. If you don't want to stand, then don't. It would be great for the... He says the GB, and I'm pretty sure he'd be referencing the Green the green Brigade because he's a Celtic fan, and it would solve many problems. So um, there are people certainly behind the idea, and I hope if it does get to clubs investigating that they do take the, the fan view into account. And Kaz on Twitter, who I think Ian will know as well, says, uh, we stand in our section anyway, lol, which will be in the main stand at Tynecastle. And yeah, I didn't sit down for the Celtic game the other week, so it, it does happen a lot anyway. Uh, I thought we'd, we'd move on and look at the, the upcoming Scotland game on Tuesday and see if we can get well, I was going to say see if we can get a, a more optimistic view of this, but <laughs> bear in mind that we are travelling to is it Alicante yeah. To, yeah. to face Spain. So I was wondering if, if either of you are, are positive uh, of getting a result, whether that's a draw or, well, dare I say it, a win? No. No, not a chance. I do <laughs> see that Spain are uh, playing their reserves, so they're likely to see... Silva and Torres and Mata playing up front <laughs> as opposed to uh, as opposed to their first choice, but no, that just fills me with even more foreboding. I'm afraid. Yeah, players players with something to prove. Um, so yeah, I I can't see it, not at all. Um, yeah, they, I didn't watch the Czech game. I, I read some reports on it. Apparently, it was two going on double figures, Czech probably were just taking apart completely in Spain, were always comfortable in the game and yeah, as Ian says, you know oh, great, we're going to face you know Juan Mata and David Silva instead of maybe Xavi and Iniesta it's maybe slightly better but they're still fantastic players um, I I can't see it, I'm afraid I don't think, maybe they maybe won't go out to completely destroy us, touch wood but um, <laughs> I can't see us getting a win, but then again we might not need it if the hearts, the the hearts, the hearts in a national side can can give us a <laughs> can do us a favour. Then we might not need to. Either way, I I don't think we'll be going to the European Championships. I have to say, call me a pessimist. I don't know, but um, whatever happens on Tuesday, I just can't see it happening. So Scotland to lose maybe two nil. I think Spain might be. Kind of feel sorry for us a bit and just do what they did against the Czechs, get the goals and then play about with the ball a bit, mess around. And it'll come down, I think it'll come down to Lithuania Czech Republic and I can't really call that game because Lithuania are awful but they did beat them away from home so you never know. Well, yeah, yeah. Ian, are you willing to put a scoreline on it? I'm willing to put a scoreline on it. So here it goes. So my, my scoreline's 4-0 for Spain, <laughs> I think. Fernando Torres is going to get his shooting boots on and gun us down, <laughs> get his season back on track. But I am an optimist, so I think that Lithuania are going to win 2-0. Uh, I think Michalinas is going to score one and Chesney, Chesnowskis is going to get the other one. And uh, that will see us into the playoffs where we'll get royally gubbed by somebody. <laughs> well, that'd be Miko down as a Scotland uh, legend then. You'll be down in Scotland history. Well, see, that's my... That's what I'm thinking. The Scotland fans wouldn't know whether to boo him or cheer him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to be a bit more optimistic about the Spain game because on paper, Spain are infinitely better than Scotland, especially going forward where we are we are very weak, apart from uh, McGregor and Gordon and goals, of course. So We can't play them both. Actually, we, unfortunately, we can't, yeah. <laughs> If if only we could do the, the zero up front that Levine likes and have two goalies. So I'm going to go for a very optimistic and very biased 2-2. <laughs> you think we'll score two away, it's fine. 
<laughs> I think we will. I we, think we're going we're going into this with with nothing to lose really. I think that our players are going to be fired up for it. Um, I'm looking back to recent results against France and thinking that that we can do this. We we ran Spain very close. We ran Italy very close. I think we can. I think I think the country is going to be buzzing for this. So yep, I'm going to go for a two-two. More in hope, but yep, two-two for me. A team that could only score one against Liechtenstein and could only score one against Lithuania, and and you think we'll score twice away to Spain? Yep. So maybe they might even put money on it. Yep. Maybe maybe it's because me and Ian had to watch uh, Craig Levine's Hearts team for a couple of years that we're more used to the fact that Levine's team didn't often go yeah. score, score many goals. <laughs> to be fair, though, watching Levine's team with Hearts, we did have the odd day. Uh, we did have the odd one when. We won in Bordeaux, Mark de Vries scored, it was a 1-0 victory and uh, my recollection of the game, which may or may not have uh, been affected by copious consumption of alcohol, was that we'd outplayed them and we'd come away with a famous victory and then we came <laughs> home and I watched, uh, I watched the game, which I had recorded and couldn't believe how much we'd been outplayed but managed to snatch a victory, so it was a great <laughs> smash and grab, so... There's always a possibility of a smash and grab. Remember also when we played France in Paris, I had a bunch of friends around the house, some of whom were French and a lot of whom were Scottish. And at half time when it was nil-nil, some of my Scottish friends, they broke open the champagne. The French guys said, why are you breaking it out now? They said, well, it's nil-nil, it's half time. This is as good as it's going to get for Scotland. (laughs) And then... uh, then we happened to score a winner and beat them one 0 So well, I was listening to things can happen. I was listening to the um, the BBC Sports Sound show before Liechtenstein game came on the telly, and apparently they have loads of Scotland fans who messaged them after the game saying that they all missed the goal because they were all um, turning the other way and getting their photos taken, and <laughs> getting their photos taken, you know, smiling and thumbs up <laughs> in the in in the park. To fight. What, what, it was in the uh, PSG's ground that one, wasn't it? The Parc de France, yeah. It wasn't in the Parc. De, it wasn't in the Parc de France. There's a Stade de France in the Parc de France. It was, but that was the one, yeah, where PSG play. I, and uh, so they all missed the goal because they were turning around getting their photos taken, not even watching the football. So yeah, I suppose, I suppose what can happen. I mean, we're going to Spain. No one expects us to get anything, so we know we can't lose effectively. And I do remember the Bordeaux game and. I wasn't drunk. I remember watching it on TV and we played a flat back five and uh, Craig Gordon had a storming game. So, yeah, I certainly don't I certainly don't remember outplaying them, but we still threw it away in the home leg. So that was very that was a very Scottish thing to do. So I thought we'd move on to the, the SPL because following the following Tuesday's game, which hopefully whether we get a result against Spain or not, but hopefully, hopefully we get through to the qualifying and then we'll be moving on to the SPL again. And the first game up is a 12.30 kick-off, which is live on ESPN, and that is Kelly against Celtic. And for that one, I just can't see past Celtic and I've went for a 2-0 victory to Celtic. Laurie, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think Celtic will be looking to bounce back after they were dismantled at Tynecastle last week and uh, obviously they've, obviously they've got a bit of a an easier an easier week now just with Killy it's it's not quite as tough as it's coming to Edinburgh but uh, <laughs> yeah I think they'll be bouncing I think they'll bounce back and I've went 4-1 Celtic to be honest I think they'll come out kind of all guns blazing and you'll probably see Hooper and Stokes starting together after the kind of the problems that they've had with the big Greek and with Bangura as well. So four one. Uh, what about yourself, Ian? You gonna be watching the game intently? Yeah, <clears throat> something like that. If uh, if Hooper and Stokes start, then I reckon Celtic will win three 0 If Hooper and Stokes don't start together, then I see it being a two all draw. Uh, with the boy Heffernan scoring a couple of goals because Celtic are not great. They're really not. You know, it's not just been Hearts that have given them a spanking this season and a well-deserved spanking at that, I have to say. Uh, so, no, I just don't think Celtic are great this season. I think the rest of the league smells blood and uh, Command could take advantage of them. But I do think if Stokes and Hooper start, they'll still have too much up front to make up for their woeful deficiencies in defence. But do you, do you think they will start then? We can't have two predictions. That's like, I've tried that trick no. before. I've tried that one before. Oh, I'm not going to hedge my bets. Okay, yes, I <laughs> no, think they'll start no. them. So I think 3-0 for Celtic. 
Yeah, Laurie did try and he scouted <laughs> off, I think, six six different scorelines <laughs> one week uh, for one match, and he just tried to cover all bases, so yeah, we've banned that <laughs> from now on. Uh, the next matchup I've got is Aberdeen against Dundee United, and I've seen a 2-0 Dundee United victory here. Aberdeen, although they started scoring again, nah, I can't see them scoring in this one. 2-0 Dundee United. See, I fancy it being a bit closer. Um, it's the New firm derby, I say very sar- I say oh, very yeah. sarcastically. Aberdeen's desperate attempt to try and find some sort of rivalry because no one's anywhere near them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I went two two. I think Dundee United are up and down this season. They look very good one week and then, like last week, they just got thorough, well beaten by Motherwell. Um, so I'm unsure on them. They can be very inconsistent. Aberdeen. They'll be kind of buzzing after managing to put four past on Firmland, who, like Dundee United, are inconsistent, but they're no mugs. Uh, so I reckon it'll be quite a decent game, surprisingly, since Aberdeen are involved. Um, but uh, I'm going to go 2-2. No, I think Dundee United will hammer Aberdeen. Aberdeen are uh, they're cannon fodder in anyone's language, <laughs> home or away. Uh, the, famous, the, famous Aberdeen, uh, the famous Aberdeen supporters will... Turn up in their dozens and uh, turn up in their dozens and attack. Boo their own team as Dundee United beat them two or three nil. You've went for it again. You've tried to get more than one scoreline in here. You've cheated. Two and a half nil. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go three nil to differentiate me from you. Three nil. No. <laughs> us, us Hearts fans are getting a reputation for really not liking Aberdeen. I've already, I've already got a bit of a, a bit of abuse on the forum for my strong dislike of everything, everything sheep. <laughs> So the, the next game up is Dunfermline against Hearts. Now, Dunfermline, I thought they started the season a lot better than I expected because I had them down as a, a certainty for relegation and they've definitely shown that they're, they're not a certainty. They, they, may, they, they may end up down there battling, but they had a good start to the season. Hearts, I think they, they got a, a lucky win against Celtic last week. So... <laughs> I'm going to go for a narrow victory to Hearts, and that's one nil. I've 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 backed Hearts, and not just um, with my sort of uh, maroon tinted specs this week. I think Dunfermline are looking a bit shakier at the moment. They do look like they can score goals. They've got good old Andy Kirk up there, so always dangerous. But they look very very dodgy at the back, and any team who concedes four at Petardry will be certainly getting concerned that be getting concerned about their defence so I've went 3-1 hearts uh, hopefully I, last week's proven that Sergio can mix it up because the way we went to St Johnson and played with five in midfield but with no width was it was almost like watching Scotland for a moment so hopefully he'll be able to mix it up a bit and we should beat them quite comprehensively 3-1 3-1 hearts and hearts have been absolutely minging away from home for the last eight or nine months it's been quite uh... yep Quite frustrating, but that run has to come to an end at some point, and Dunfermline have to be kind enough to let us beat them. But I've got a soft spot for Andy Kirk up front for Dunfermline and Austin McCann, the roving left back. So uh, I'll set up for a 3 2 victory for the Hearts. Dunfermline goals from Austin McCann and Andy Kirk. Austin McCann only scores against Celtic, though, doesn't he? <laughs> well, give him a, we'll let him have a last minute consolation against us just for that winner against Celtic I'll give him that aye so the next game up is Hibs against Motherwell and I'm going to do my usual and say that Gary O'Connor is going to score for Hibs and Motherwell I think are going to come out of this 3-1 victors Motherwell win 3-1 I went 2-1 Motherwell yeah I'm kind of a a bit confused as to how Gary O'Connor is able to play, but that's uh, another topic altogether. You dive in a game, you get suspended for it. Your assistant manager admits on a television that it was a dive and he was the other team had every right to be annoyed, but then it the, the gets rescinded. So, an odd yeah, I'm one. not sure why they went back on it. Yeah, Very strange because I, I don't think anyone could argue that it was a dive. So, pff, beats me. Um, I went 2-1 Motherwell. I think they tend to do quite well away from home Easter Road and Hibs. They do seem to have turned the corner a bit. Gary Connor probably will score because 
let's be face it, he is a good striker, pains me to say, but he's a, a decent forward and he knows how to hit the back of the net. So yeah, I went 2-1 Motherwell, though I think overall they are still kind of having a good start to the season, they're looking consistent, they're moving the ball around well and Higdon got to have a bit of confidence after grabbing a couple of goals last week, so I went for a Motherwell 2-1 victory. Yeah, um, certainly never backing the hips for a win, <laughs> never backing them for a draw either, it's just, that would just be bad form. Uh, 3-0 Motherwell, 3-0 Motherwell, and Hibs will be lucky to get away with only 3-0. I think the boy Murphy's going to rock and roll them. So the next game up is Rangers against St Mirren, which I've actually went for a, a 3-1 victory for Rangers. Rangers at home, very strong, and I think they're going to be too much for St Mirren. So yeah, 3-1. Yeah, I like, I like St Mirren, and uh, I think... They've got a good way of playing the ball around. They're, they're decent on the eye, but I think maybe the danger with that is when they come up against Rangers and Celtic and even to a degree when they come to Tankas and play Hearts, they, they kind of will open themselves up to getting a couple of goals to pass them. So I've went 3-0 Rangers. I think I, I think it'll be quite comprehensive. I, I don't really see past Rangers at all. And uh, I think Rangers will get the three points. Nice and easy. 3-4-0 win. Very, very comfortable as they try and rack up the 25-point lead they need to go into administration. <laughs> He's done it again. He's went 3-4. Three, 3-4, four. Three, four, four. I'll go 4. Just to be four. Four. <laughs> uh, The final game is St. Johnson against Inverness. And Inverness really haven't impressed me this season. And St. Johnson surprisingly have. They've started scoring goals, which I, I didn't expect them to. And they've started finding a bit of a partnership between Sheridan and Sandaza. So I think that they're going to come away with the three points. And I'm going to say it's an emphatic victory, 3-0 to St. Johnson. I've went with one goal for Inverness. Uh, the only difference with the scoreline you've predicted, I've went 3-1 St. Johnston. Yeah, they've they've really hit a bit of form and they're starting to score goals. Um, and Sandaza and Sheridan certainly seem to be continuing their form as the certainly the best partnership, a uh, striking partnership outside the old firm for sure. So I'll go three one Inverness, another team who played the ball around quite nicely and maybe not looking like they can grind out the kind of away results certainly this season. So another defeat for them and uh, to give hope to the likes of Aberdeen and Dunfermline that. Maybe they can stay in the SPL. So St. Johnston 3, Inverness 1. And uh, being Scottish football and seeing as I've predicted every other game to be a goal fest, I reckon this will be a dire, dire nil no draw where everyone will be massively miserable at the game and say, why the heck are we paying £20 a ticket to watch this rubbish? It's usually Craig. It's usually Craig who goes with the nil nil. That's his philosophy that he's he's taken that there's always at least one nil nil draw. It's uh, Paul Band. Paul Band came up with it. the system, Ian, where... He seems to be, be in, always in with a chance of winning money on uh, the predictor and uh, the website. And he says that his system is that there's always a nil-nil. There is. There's always a nil-nil. It's Scottish football. As, as I've proven for many weeks, Craig, there's not always a nil-nil. And as I've highlighted each weekend when there's not a nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. But, but see, I'm sure Paul Band's doing better than you in the predictor. Um, ah, well, that's not the point, is it? He's he's what I'm I'm in twenty fourth at the moment out of aye, out of almost two hundred, so that's not too bad. Um, what am I? Right, and he's third. He's third. He's only eight points ahead of me. You know, it's that's only a couple of games. You know, I'm I'm closer to him than what Celtic are Rangers in the SPL. So it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we run the the SPL predictor on the the website on forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk and it's free to enter and uh, the season prize is £100 for first place and we also run a monthly prize which is £20 and the September prize was won by John A. Robb he won it by one point previous winners include Sprog69 and there was a, a brief prize in July, not many matches in July, but Paul Band won that. So that's why we go, or that's why I normally go with uh, is 0-0. And it doesn't help you very much. <laughs> no, it doesn't, no. 
Oh, I'm not sure where I am in the, the predictor, but it's going to be very, very far down the list. 70, I think. I just, it's just, I just can't do it. I don't know. Well, for um, Was October, it? I think I looked, I'm like 5th or something. 4th, joint 4th. I've, uh, I didn't even think I'd had that good a start, but there you go. Join fourth is all right. I, oh, oh, I'm fifty sixth. I've only got one point in October. That's that's rubbish. It's terrible. It's just terrible. But there you go. So if you want to join in the predictor, then get on the website and get your predictions in for next weekend's football. Yep. The main thing is it's free and it's free to forum members. And if you want to sign up, you can sign up using. Uh, just uh, the general registration form or you can sign up using your Facebook or Twitter account. So easy and peasy. I know. You've got, I see one new chat uh, chat section on the website now which could prove controversial. Okay, yes, there's a chat chat room. If you want to chat football and you don't want to post it in the forum, you can go in there but if you misbehave then I don't know. You you get sent to your room. You get to sent. You get sent to with bed. No with no dinner. dinner. Yep. No dinner. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Ian. No hassle, Craig. Thanks for having me on. I thought it was good. I thought you had some some good points about standing at football. You you seem to know your stuff. I know as I've, I've yeah. I just want to stand at the game, eh? <laughs> I, just, I, just want, I just don't want to have to sit down yeah, I, among, uh, among standing at football supporting hearts you also do a bit of refereeing as well don't you Ian so I do I, and if you're short of stuff um, if you're short of stuff folks to come on down the line I'm happy to come on and talk about stuff like the Homeless World Cup or whatever I will, uh, you've not mentioned uh, your, your claim to fame I've got hundreds of claim to fame. Not one. I, I had dinner with Margaret Thatcher once. You refereed the World Cup final, though, did you know? I refereed the Homeless World Cup final once. In South Africa. So if you want to follow Ian, as I'll give you a wee plug there. You're on Twitter, which is Ian McGill, isn't it? Just at Ian McGill. That's Ian with two. Plain old Ian McGill. I-I-N-M-C-G-I-L-L. And thanks once again, Laurie, for being the co-host this evening. No problem at all. Right, thanks. And see you next week. See you later, Cheers. guys. Bye. Bye.